0: Well, good morning. We want to welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church. Just want to read out of Psalms before we start. Psalms 47, just at the beginning it says this. It says, Come everyone and clap your hands for joy. Shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord Most High is awesome. I love that. Do you remember that song, Our God is an Awesome God? That's the God we're going to be worshiping today. So why don't we stand to our feet and let's pray. Father, right now we declare that you are awesome. And Father, today we choose to honor and worship you for who you are in our lives.
1: And we choose to give you glory in Jesus' name. Let's worship him. We're going to worship God with all of our heart and all of our strength and all, all of our mind, all of our soul, because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And Brian Dirksen wrote a song that effectively said, the greatest reward will go to those who bow now. And so, Lord, we want to today say, You are Lord and that You deserve every inch of the universe that every knee will bow and every tongue confess and you deserve the honor that comes from every part of us so Lord we say be glorified today be glorified you are the strand of life you are the source of life we live and move and have our being in you Now the question is, what do we think that means? Is there enough power in the gospel to change our lives? Is there enough power to change the circumstances that challenge you today? How far will that power go? So Lord, we say in Jesus' name, Lord, reveal to us the extent to which you want to change the world around us, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus today. In the name of Jesus today, can you believe? Can you believe? You know the uh, the guy with uh, his child was had a demon and was throwing himself into the fire, and the disciples tried to cast out that demon. And the father was obviously must have been discouraged by that. But when Jesus came back, he thought, maybe he can do it. And Jesus asks him, do you believe? And he says, yes, Lord. But what does he say right after? Help, help my unbelief. In other words, I, I really want to. But, but actually, I realize I don't really fully. And that's often the place where we find ourselves is, we believe in the possibility of, but not in the inevitability of. We believe it's in the realm of potential things that God could do, but there's no immediacy to it. There's no, there's no effect. I believe you can. I don't know if you will. It, it is in the realm. It, it could happen in a million years, but I don't know if now is that moment. Faith brings you over the threshold from possible to actual to inevitable, from from the realm of theoretical, from the realm of hope to the realm of substance. Faith is the substance of the things you previously hoped for. Hope is opens a door of possibility, but faith says now, 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 now. And that's the ability to lay hold of that is within you as an individual. The ability to believe. Now. So, Lord, we say, let this be a now moment. Let this be a now moment. Lord, enlarge, increase our faith. Let this be a now moment. You know, in, in the Bible, again and again, in the Old Testament, it says that they were commanded to shout. Walk around the walls of Jericho and they're commanded to shout. Walk seven times. What is the point I mean, if God is going to do this, and if at the end of the day, it's just God's power coming down, what is the point of us walking around? Ultimately, God is inviting our participation in the kingdom of God. He can do loads of things, but how many of you have been, a, have been wanting to train your sons, and they would like you to just do everything, but you want to train them, and so it means, you know what? What? Grandma's not going to cut your your pancakes anymore. You're going to pick up the knife. and, But it takes so much longer when I do it. So be it. So be it. He is inviting our participation. Mature sons are prepared to enter the business of their father. And we must be about our father's work. And so he is inviting our participation in an elementary way at the beginning because we don't understand. He's just looking for simple obedience. He's conquering issues of willfulness and stubbornness and pride and unbelief. But ultimately, he wants to bring us alongside so that we, we are his hands and his feet, so that we are the sound of the Lord in the earth. You know, it says in Second Peter or First Peter, it says, it says that the one who speaks should speak as the oracle of God. That means you, you stand in the place of God. You, would, you are there. The responsibility is to say what God would say if he were speaking. We are the body of Christ. We stand as ambassadors of a kingdom. It, you know, yes, it's God, but it's God through us. We are the body. We are the body. And so I want us to release a shout to the Lord. And I may, in my message, explain what that's about. But the shout of the Lord is a shout of faith. It's a shout of victory. And it says there's victory that's near you. And it says in Romans, it's even in your mouth. It's in your mouth. Well, anybody who wants victory is going to shout. And I'm going to interpret that if, if you don't shout, you don't really want victory. You want the enemy continually biting at your feet. Well, that's a lot of pressure, Pastor. Well, you know what? God's in the business of putting pressure on us. He's saying, listen, come up. Come up. It's time for you not just to be a beneficiary of who I am at a distance. It's time for you to enter into the labors of being a son and a daughter. Amen? Yeah. One, two, three. Can you, I mean, I, I hope you can feel the release of faith. You know, what Jesus said, when somebody touched him, in the midst of a crowd of people touching him, somebody touched me differently. Somebody touched me in a way that power came out of me. He sensed the power leaving his body. Do you know that you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead inside of you? And so some of those experiences need to become a part of your, your vocabulary. They, they need to be part of your experience. They, they maybe already are. You just don't know that that's what's happening. But I pray, I pray that you become increasingly conversant with these things. Amen.
0: Uh, all service long, I've just been hearing this phrase, crushing blow. So I guess when I think about a crushing blow in my life, maybe I would think about a diagnosis of my child. Or I'd think about a cancer diagnosis. Or maybe I would think about the loss of a loved one. And uh, when we think about a crushing blow, we know that it often brings us to our knees and it drains us of our hope. And it brings us to a place of loss of control, And it can disorient us, and it can make us question what it is that we believe in and if it really is as true as we thought it was. And today, I just, as I submitted that to the Lord, crushing blow, what does that mean, God? Um, I just felt God say, in the midst of your crushing blows, when you're on your knees and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, I'll give you one word, one word. Just listen, and I'll give you one word. And I'm going to make that come alive in your life like you never thought possible before. So right now, I just want to prophesy over you. May your ears be opened to the one word of God that is going to become so alive in your life. It's going to take flesh. It's going to have breath. It's going to move you forward. It's going to propel you into a season of faith and deliverance of life and hope and joy and freedom. There is no crushing blow that God cannot pull you out of. So in Jesus' name, I prophesy over you. Hear the word of the Lord today. Hear his word for you. Grab hold of it. Even if it doesn't have life right now, even if it doesn't have skin on it right now, It's going to give life in your life. Hear the word of the Lord. Grab it today. Let it be your word and watch what God does with it.
2: Amen. I just want to share a quick testimony. And sometimes testimonies are there to encourage and to direct and to guide us. Because they, if God would do it for one person, He also says He's no respecter of persons. And our very first child that we got into Casa Esperanza many years ago, anyway, our first, our, our children's home named Casa Esperanza, and our very first child, we had the house, everything ready, we, we had everything prepared, planned, and it was going to be awesome. It was going to be, you know, by faith, everything was going to be perfect, right? And I was in Nicaragua at the time, we get the phone call, we got our first children. One girl named Jessica and her little, and her brother, and, uh, and, and, and we're so excited, it's like having, uh, you know, your baby for the first time, you know, and it's like, wow, this is exciting. The next day we get another phone call, um, we have a problem, and Jessica has AIDS, Because we had to go and give her get her blood test done and everything, all the details that we have to do in order for our child to when we bring our children in. And it comes back with AIDS. So the judge orders a second, another test, um, and the same thing. The first thing in our heart, the first thing in my mind is, oh, how can this be? How can it be? And I, so I can, I can understand that feeling. It's like saying, no, how can this be? I was trusting God. I was believing the Lord, you know. And, and this is everything contrary to what I believe in. God, how can this be? And then all of the future of the children's home was flashing before my eyes. We can't have any more kids. We've got a kid with AIDS, contagious. And they're not going to give us any more kids. And the first thought is, just give the child back. Let's just give the child back. Go the easy way because we had that option. But in the spirit, the Lord says, Kim, have faith. What do you believe? So, so I had, we, you had to capture those things. It says we have to capture those vain imaginations. And, and I was, it was a struggle. I mean, AIDS a serious thing. And I, and I remember in myself saying, nope, we've got to stand on, on God's promise here. We've got to stand by what he's shown us, what we have believed, what we've been taught in church. Amen. So he said, no, you get around and you pray, which we did. You gather around and you pray and you grab hold of the promise. And he says, now go get another blood test. And then we were told, oh, well, you have to go through the judge. No, no, don't even go to the judge. Just go, go to the doctor that we know and get a blood test, get it tested right now. And it came back, no AIDS. So we went to the, they went to the judge and, and told the judge. The judge wouldn't believe it. They said, that's impossible. That's impossible. So the judge ordered another blood test at a government lab in the city. And he bring, brings her again. Comes back negative, no AIDS. And that little girl today is living without AIDS. Has a beautiful little girl living in Texas. And, and from that day on, it was victory. Amen? So, you know, we get to these points, and, and these things come. They say, no, they have this, they have that. It's what we do with it at that moment. And you, you can say, oh, Lord, well, we'll still get by. Or we can grab hold of the promise. We say, no, we stand. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us through your spirit, through your word at work inside of us. And your word says that, Lord, faith comes by hearing your word. And so I pray today that our faith would increase. God, And uh, when our faith increases, that means unbelief decreases. So, Lord, we ask for more of you, less of us, Less of uh, our human limitations and more of the spiritual empowerment that you've destined for us to walk in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, a uh, couple of things I, I want to talk about. I'm not just not sure how to do it. I shared a testimony with a group of people a few weeks ago. Years ago, I had this experience with this renowned evangelist where God spoke to me. Actually, God sent me down to California to go to his conference and that the Lord told me I was going to get an anointing from this man. Uh, Through a series of impossible circumstances, it happened as the Holy Spirit spoke to me a few days after the conference and said, go to this building, go to this floor, this man will be there. And uh, and as it was, he was there. But anyway, uh, it was amazing what the Lord imparted to me at that time. But but I've looked at men like this And I've looked at people like myself, and I'm thinking, Lord, what is the difference in the measure of our authority and our impact? And hopefully you're thinking upon those lines, because we've all been called to the same things in the sense that we've all been called to be joint heirs with Christ. Every single one of us have been called to be a joint heir with Christ. And he said, you know, he said, uh, uh, before he left, he said, Greater works than these, the ones that I'm doing, you're going to do, because I'm going to the Father. So, uh, show of hands, those who have done greater works than anyone, anyway, No show of hands. I mean, the, so for me, the, the, the journey of my life is, God, when am I going to see not only better or more works than, than, than Christ, but, you know, anything equivalent would be great right? I mean, I want to have authority. I mean, I look at the disciples, they're walking down the road, and Peter's shadow falls on the man, and and he gets healed, right? Jesus is walking through a crowd, and people are, are, I mean, you know, you have to think about this. We always spiritualize it. Well, that was Israel, right? But they're walking through the market. That would be like walking through Superstore. You walking through Superstore, and stuff starts to happen. Well, I'm not sure that's possible, because that was a very religious culture, and they were open-minded, and It doesn't matter. The power of God is the power of God. And and the question is, what is the measure of our authority? What are we walking in? And if we're not walking in everything we want, what are we waiting for? What do we have to do? Yeah, okay, there's a journey God's training me, but what can I do to expedite this process? You know, any eager employee, you know, really wants to move up in a company, he goes after the boss, says, what do you need me to do? to prove to you that I'm the man, okay? So God is looking for people who say, God, what do you need me to do? What needs to change in me? How are you measuring me? How are you looking at me? And how do I enter into the destiny that you have for me as a son of God? Now that destiny may take a different track in terms of your career in terms of where you live in terms of the administration of the Holy Spirit's gifting in you but at the end of the day we're the same in many ways and we're the same in this sense that we're called to walk in the authority of a king we are ambassadors we are representative of a dominion that is coming to the earth it is increasing in the earth and that we are assured from Habakkuk 2.14 that it's going to fill the whole earth. How much of it? All, all of it. The whole earth. All. All. It's a Greek word. It means everything. <laughs> in the Greek only. All. All thi- He's going to fill all things. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess. The question is, how, that's, how is that going to happen? We in, in the past, we were like, oh, yeah, come on, God, you come and do it. And he said, actually, no, I'm I'm seated. Uh, You know, Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God until when? Until his enemies are made his footstool. Oh, well, who's going to do that? Yes, well, I'm looking at him, right? I mean, we are the vehicle through which God is manifesting his authority, his rule. That's what uh, Ephesians 3.10 is about. Through the church, the many-sided, manifold wisdom of God is being made known to principalities and powers, not only to men, but principalities and powers are going to learn the futility of rebelling against God through uh, these little pieces of, of dust here that are in the room, you know. We were made from the dirt of the earth, but God is doing something through us. So the question is, for me, for you, how do we increase this? I was impressed by this man. I mean, I'd seen many wonderful things, but recently I heard another testimony And I'm coming to what it is I want to talk about. And I'm talking about the authority, the individual authority that we're meant to walk in. And also the collective authority we're meant to be as a church. Because I don't know if you noticed, but we as a church in Canada have not fared very well in the last 50 or so years. But we are rebounding. How do I know that? Well, how do you know we're rebounding? Because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God is not going to leave himself without a witness. Even if one generation doesn't fully enter that, even if it seems like things are less than, God's going to pour out something in the next generation, and he's getting ready to pour something out in this generation that will fill the earth. It says, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I was in Munich a few weeks ago, and I went to this event, and this brother from Uganda began to share testimony and i have been stirred ever since i heard that testimony because he was raised in the occult he was recruited as a young child and he was taken to malta and he was trained there in a particular by a particular global organization that it was connected to he was r- released into his work in uganda he rose in the ranks and you know they they literally ran the city and the country now, his in kampala Anyway, he was in a a prominent place. He would call the president of his country to come and see him. You know, that that sort of level of authority. Anyway, one day he gets a call from his handlers and they say, you need to leave the city of Kampala. Uh, Leave the city? Why do I need to leave the city? He said, well, there is an American evangelist coming and you need to leave the city. He said, well, no, I'll just do such and such. He said, no, 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 don't attack him. Because anyone who attacks this man either dies or is converted. And, and his, he, it was a blow to him. It was a blow to him because he, he thought, no, we're the power here. We're in charge. And so all of a sudden, for the first time, he thought, there's something greater. There, there's, there's something beyond us. What is this? But anyway, he was told, uh, remove your people and remove your structures, which he didn't elaborate on. But... Uh, I'm still very intrigued about that. Remove your structures from the city. And not just remove them from the city. Leave the city limits by 30 miles. 30 miles. And, and, and he says, do not return for 30 days. Or no, it was 70 miles, sorry. 70 miles in 30 days. He said, 30 days, why do we have to stay? With? He said, because this man's voice resonates in the atmosphere for three weeks after. I pray today that that will give you a sense of what it means to bring the kingdom of God. That bringing the kingdom of God might be able to be measured in terms of the numbers of souls being saved and the effect of that, but it is also measured in terms of an established jurisdiction of the glory of God. That God is looking for churches and people to begin to release established jurisdictions of His authority in the earth. And it begins with me as an individual which we're going to get to in a minute. I look at this in the Old Testament. I look at Israel, and you remember when they're in the land of Goshen, right? They're in the land of Goshen, and, of course, the plagues are coming on Egypt, and Moses has come to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And so God is beginning to judge the nation of Egypt through the hardness of the heart of Pharaoh. And as he's judging them, it says that everything that's falling on Egypt is not falling on Goshen, that Goshen is clear. So you know when the when the darkness covers the earth, when the hailstones, when the when the you know the flies come, when when the frogs come, everything that was on the land was not in Goshen jurisdiction. Yes. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would begin to see the conquest of the earth. Lord, the conquest of darkness, the conquest, Lord, the kingdom of liberty coming into the earth. Lord, we're going to see entire cities shrouded in the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that we can begin to believe that it is possible. It is possible. You know, in the midst of them, Israel... They didn't even have, even in their journey going up from Egypt afterwards, they didn't even have so much as a hemorrhoid. Not a hemorrhoid, not a barren one amongst them. So, you know, why? Because there's a, there's a jurisdiction that God is trying to establish. So, I want to talk a little bit about that because I feel that what God is calling us to do in a geographic sense is to establish something you know, one of the things about that that I was, I was interested in was the fact that there was a 70 miles and the, it was the sound of his voice that resonated in the spirit for 30 days. Actually, it was over three weeks, but there, you know, to stay safe 30 days. And I'm, uh, there are different times when we've talked about the shout of the Lord here. And the shout of the Lord is like a, a spiritual EMP. I call it uh, kingdom EMP. It's a it's not an electromagnetic pulse. It's an electromagnetic pulse. And, uh, and I, b- I believe that us in worship, that as we are worshiping God, there's something that God wants to infuse into the atmosphere of our worship that will cause a, 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 an, a, an echo of, a, of an explosion of spiritual power that will take out the enemy. Have you ever noticed weeks of your life where just weeks are just bad, right? You know, whether it's heaviness or depression or things going wrong. You know, I watch somebody breaks a left arm and all of a sudden for the next three weeks, I see see 15 left arms that are broken. It's like it comes in waves. Why is it? Because it's not just physical. There are spirits. There is activity. There is an atmosphere of unbelief, depression, heaviness, poverty, and, and, and it goes on and on and on that allow these things to happen. And so we are, we are looking to, God, how can we establish a safe zone? A safe zone here in Spruce Grove. Uh, let's just pause there for a second. God, ask him, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Can I, by your spirit, establish a safe zone, a bubble for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord for my kids? Can I establish something for my grandkids? Can I establish, can there be something, Lord, that we as a people, God, could be under that would allow or make it impossible for the enemy to harass us? God, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven again we need to shift our minds we think we often would think about you know uh, the benefits of the cross the benefits of salvation that come to me as an individual and i get this and this and this but it's more than that god wants to you know he he wants to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the lord in fact and i'm going to go into this in a second the knowledge of the glory of the lord that he wants to fill the earth with is the very thing that caused you to get born again when you actually got born again, uh, a knowledge was propelled, propelled into you. It was a pulse of knowledge that got breathed into you. You know, in the same way that Adam became a living soul because God breathed into him. God breathed into you and you became born again. Yeah. All right? It wasn't just a, a, a mental alignment with a certain amount of facts and stuff, but there was actually a spiritual transaction. Where something inside of you came alive because it got touched by life. Uh, Actually, turn to 2 Corinthians. We'll see that scripture there. We need to see this because this is sort of the continuum by which we're defining the kingdom of God. We need to see that the thing that happened to you when you got born again is meant to happen to creation. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read in verse 3. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, right? Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. Real clear thing there right now. Why don't people get born again? Because the devil is blinding their minds. So the, lest the light of the gospel of Christ should shine unto them. So there's an actual specific warfare over people's minds. Have I mean, you noticed know, sometimes we're a little Calvinistic about salvation? You know, well, you know, it's it's there. We I share the gospel with them, you know, they're they're not they're not going they're not going after it. What if you could actually actually deal or do something to suspend the influence of that blinding force? Right? I mean, do are we powerless? Like to well, it's the enemy. He's blinding their minds. Okay, can't you do anything about that? I mean, when Jesus is walking around, he's casting out demons. Demons are crying out. And, and So he's actually having a literal effect on people's capacity to believe or not. Now, people still have their autonomy, right? The Pharisees still chose to to not believe. In fact, they fought against Jesus and... For all the reasons we know. But so it didn't mean that everybody was now a victim of the knowledge of God. You still had to make a choice. But what it is. Is it takes that aggravating active element of the kingdom of darkness out of the way. So that at least you have a fighting chance to say. Oh no. Hey wait. This is this is reasonable. I believe this. This is true. So the very salvation of men and women. Doesn't hinge just upon their appetite for truth, but the conditions around which they are able or, able or not able to receive truth. Well, so what that means for us is, I keep praying, Lord, I want, I want Spruce Grove to be saved. I want, I want our, the atmosphere around Spruce Grove to be such that when people even drive through, if they're going from Edmonton to Jasper, when they come through Spruce Grove, uh, I, I want a couple of things to happen. A, I want people to begin to feel good. I want them to to not be depressed. I want them to begin to suddenly think about possibilities for their life. And I want them to come to that place where that cascading knowledge of possibilities results in, hey, I think God is real. You know, it makes sense that God is real. When I look at creation, I see God in creation. Because it says in Romans that God is evident in creation, but again, the minds of the unbelieving is blinded; They can't see it. What if... We could take that element out of the way, and as people drive through this jurisdiction called Spruce Grove, they just, they just snap to grid and like, wait, wait a minute. They get an awakening. We, we have history of this, right? Charles Finney was the, the most dramatic one, and actually not just Charles Finney, the whole Scottish Isles thing that happened with um, Duncan Campbell and those guys. I mean there was there was something that fell on jurisdiction. I remember hearing one they didn't have electricity back then, right? And so they'd be meeting together in this little church out in the middle of the dark in the darkness because there's no street lights, right? There's nothing. And generally people go to bed when it's dark. But these people are worshiping in this little country church and what's happening is For miles around them, the knowledge of God is falling on little farmhouses. And people are waking from their their sleep and knowing they need to go to that little church miles away in the dark. And by the end of the evening, they said there's just hundreds of people around the building outside because they can't even fit inside there. When Charles Finney drove through towns in the United States on a train... He wouldn't even get off the train, and the glory of God, the atmosphere would fall on the towns, and people start repenting just because he went through. Now, that's an amazing anointing on an individual. And while I'd like to say, you know, we're all going to become Charles Finney's, uh, I think that, that what God does with individuals is, is a picture to give us a breakthrough of some possibilities. I believe what God wants is, is a body of people. A group of people who've decided to live in union with one another, who've deli- decided to live in community and in covenant, who love one another, and and that the God's Spirit will fall not just on individuals the way it can. It could fall on me. It could fall on you. And you have an anointing from God. But what if something could fall on a body of people to be the body of Christ? Hey, wait. That sounds oddly biblical, right? Right? I mean, you know, we, you are the house of God. You are God's dwelling place. You are God's temple. But God is also looking not just for your body, but a body. Right? A body in, a, in an area called Spruce Grove. And he's also wanting to see the body globally function in peace and work with each other and cooperate. I mean, what if the measure of the presence of God and the glory of God that would fall on a place like Spruce Grove or the nations of the world was determined by how willing we were to just be the body? What if? Yeah, if only that were true, it would be so easy. We could just choose to get along. Actually, it is that easy, uh, except we have an enemy, right? Psalm 133 is, is brethren dwelling together in unity, and it says when God finds that, he said he's going to command a blessing. He's going to command a blessing. So, Father, make it so for us. So the gospel, right, is hid from their eyes. Lest the the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. And this is the verse I really wanted to look at. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness... Who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All right. so how did you get born again? Well, you know, Peter said, God took a seed, and the seed is the Word of God, and the Word of God came into me, and, you know, I was born again, right? It's like, like how a baby is created. A baby is created, but when a seed comes together and forms a zygote and the egg and all that, you know, life generates, you have a baby. Well, God says, listen, I'm sending a seed into your life. But he said, it's not just a seed. According to Paul's revelation, the seed is a knowledge, and it's a knowledge that contains light. And that light is the very light of the knowledge of God. When you got born again, knowledge. Knowledge. He said, you know, in, in, way back in Exodus, I think it is, or Numbers, when, when Israel was not going forward, and uh, God was saying, You know, it's not about you. Get in there, take your land, and they wouldn't do it, right? They came back, they said, oh, The spies came back, said, the, the enemy's too big for us, and God is going to destroy them. He says to Moses, Move aside, I'm going to destroy them, I'll make another people and Moses intercedes and he, he says he says Lord spare them if you don't if you do this what's going to happen to your reputation in the nations and this is what God says he says okay i have spared them but as verily as i live the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the lord this thing right from the very beginning was all about the knowledge of god the knowledge of god the knowledge of god what adam and eve lost when They fell in the garden is the knowledge of God. What you get back through Jesus Christ is the knowledge of God. The capacity to know him. Because every incremental, you know, I can get to know you and get to know your name and then find out about your job. You know, when I find out about Ben's job, you know, Ben, what would you do this week? He tells me about his job. That's the knowledge of Ben. And that's great, but it doesn't change me. You know, but the knowledge of God is literally the commodity that transforms you. It is literally what you need to... That's why God is saying, I'm looking for worshipers who worship me in spirit and truth because I want people to interface with me because to know me is to love me. To know me is to live. That's why in John 17, 3, it says, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. Eternal life is the knowledge of God infused inside of you, breathed inside of you, shining to you. And that's the same reason why... In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 to 18, Paul prays for the new believers and he prays what? He prays, I pray that your eyes will be opened in the knowledge of him. The the growth of the knowledge of God is perhaps the most important way to graph your spiritual life. The increase of that commodity, the knowledge of God, is the increase of the kingdom of God in your life. Now, what we have been born into as a, as a civilization here in the West, we've been born into a civilization that has been birthed upon the tenets of the knowledge of God. It, you know, it's not exactly the knowledge of God incarnate, but it is the effect of the knowledge of God because of years and years of Christianity. And it's created or ensured a certain foundation for prosperity. Why? Because God is life. And everything that He does, everything He touches... Blossoms, lives the life of God. So, you know what else? Uh, it says um, in Romans 8, it says creation itself is longing for this same life. Yeah. Creation somehow has the capacity, All right. Obviously, there must be some kind of intelligence, some ability to register knowledge. But creation sees and is anticipating the manifestation of the sons of God, and it somehow knows that its release ultimately from darkness is hinging upon a people called the sons of God rising in the earth in full maturity. In other words, when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea, it's going to converge with a group of people that come into the fullness of the image of who they are called to be as the people of God. But Hebrews four twelve, the fivefold ministry is given right till what? Till we come into the fullness of the stature of the knowledge of Christ. That's where we're going. That to be conversant with that life, His Spirit. At work, when we talk about God's Spirit inside of you, that Spirit is the knowledge of God. Or where do we go from here? I pray that when you go from here, when I first began to see this in Scripture, this connection around the knowledge of God, I saw that the apostle kept praying it over and over for the new believers. He said, listen, I could pray a lot of things for you. I mean, you know, your life is in shambles, right? You need to learn to parent. You need to learn to discipline and work. You need to learn to be diligent. You need to learn to, you know, show up to to work, you know, or or get out of bed or, you know, all kinds of things. But he said, I'm praying that the knowledge of God will become clear to you. Because everything else will come after that. The knowledge of God awakens. All of a sudden you start to make sense of the world. There's another scripture here in John 7. And I'm going to build off this for a few minutes. In John 7, it says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I want you to hold on to that. The nature of faith. What is that living water? The water is the life of God that's coming from Revelation 22, out from the throne of God and flowing. And it says everything it touches, right, lives. That's what Ezekiel said when he saw that river. He said everything the river touches lives because it's a river of life. Well, he says this. He that believes, out of your innermost, innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Oh, okay. i got to pause for a second. Why is this important? Because what you are as a believer is, is not just somebody who's guaranteed to go to heaven. Right. That's great. But you are now... An agent for the kingdom of God. You are now a source of life. And we're going to go through it a little deeper in a second. But when you believe, because you believe, rivers of living water flow out of your innermost being. Right? Well, that doesn't mean everything you say is water, is living water. Not everything. But there are moments when, and that's what that's what our disciples is about. We, there are moments when life comes out of us. And I remember, you know, starting to see the difference between you know christian prayers and anointed prayers you know i, I thought well i prayed that because i thought i should pray that or uh, it's the right thing to do and then this other moment man i just felt this push i felt this leading i felt this unction inside of me i didn't know what it was and i shared this and all of a sudden people are responding different when i when i do that and so i'm here in the middle and i'm thinking okay there's my prayers and then there's this kind and i'm thinking i want this kind this is better And that's how God begins to train you, to say, listen, this is about life that I've given you, and life that comes out of you will touch the world. Just like the river of life, when that life comes out of you and touches the world, it changes the world. So everyone who believes out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Eventually, there's going to be enough to fill the earth, to flood the earth. It's a metaphorical flood, Lake Noah's flood, but not not a destructive one, but one that gives life. Last, last scripture here, and I'll try and wrap this up. Woman at the well, John 4. Jesus answered the woman and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain, springing up into everlasting life. When you get born again, God has divinely created a portal between you and the river that's flowing from the throne of God when you got born again God gave you a connection yes. to that thing now you can make use of that connection you can you know share and talk and live out of the abundance of that water in there or you can try to be Christian you know those little those dummies on the road that are filled with air and they got the long arms and they flap and everything you know they actually have no power to do that. They just do that because the wind is blowing through them. Think of a better version of one of those. I mean, it's hard. Imagine trying to tell that little that plastic thing, get up. <laughs> That's like, you know, you trying to be a Christian. Get up. It gets hard. But if the life is flowing through you, it's easy. Well, yeah, it used to be easy, and now it's hard. What's going on? Well, because I am weaning you from something to bring you to another level of the life that you've already tasted. But I have to break in you the confidence that you can be a good Christian in and of yourself. So you're going through this dry spell right now, not because I've left you, but because I'm saying you've started to think that you can do this. And so I'm, you know, my spirit's not flowing because what happens, uh, this is more complicated than I intended it to be. What happens in your heart is what you believe in is what flows. And when you begin to believe in the arm of flesh, the arm of flesh flows. And trying to be a good Christian by the arm of the flesh is very taxing. It's very hard. And you can keep that smile on your face and, you know, suppress the evil for a while. But not for very long. So God is, is training. Listen, he said, there's more than enough in me. There's more than enough power for you to be. You know, Second Peter chapter 1 says, everything necessary for life and godliness is provided through the knowledge of him. There's another one. 2 Peter chapter 1. Through what? The knowledge of Him. It almost seems like it's a, a theme running right through everything. The knowledge of God. God is saying, listen, I want you to be a portal. I want you to be a well. I want you to be, well, Lord, I, I'm so thirsty. Well, why are you thirsty? Why are you thirsty? Why why are you thirsty? Remember, as a young Christian, I, I, I love to go to church. and I, remember, I just can't wait to get there. And then church started to be a little bit dry. But I discovered that if I could go and pray and spend, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes praying in the spirit, I would get filled up. I would feel the life of God. I would feel his presence. I would, I would the, it was, it's like a river, energized, whatever doubts I have, whatever struggles I have, they just, they just suddenly become nothing in the face of this. And so started, started realizing, well, it's not about just going to church. It's about accessing the life of God that he's actually already provided for me. You know what being in ministry or serving others is really all about? It's actually, it's, it's the natural product of finding that you have a well inside of you. And if you're still doing things because it's the right thing to do, I'm sorry. Because there's a much better way. There's power. There's power available inside of you. Does that mean, well, when it's hard, I shouldn't do it? No, no, no. But something is in the middle. You're in a transition. You're in a transition, and God is, going, is, is starving your confidence that you can do it. But he's saying, as soon as you begin to, begin to really believe that, then your heart shifts. God, it's your word. It's your life. It's your presence. But what the Lord is teaching us is this, is that there is a continuous manifestation of the presence of God available for every one of us and the question is now Well, what causes it to stop And that's what I started looking at in my life I'm gonna stop here but I started thinking okay why are some days better than other days what makes a great day what makes a great week what are the things that happen what do I do in a week that that causes a week to be great in God Versus weeks that are not great in God. You know what I started doing? I started doing the things that made for a great week. I started leaning into those things. And lo and behold, you know, praying, reading the word, a little bit less of some other things. Because there's some things that encourage that life of God to come out of you. And there's some things that shut it down. Now, some of you are new in this church. And let me just give you a little, little, little something. Uh, I, am, I believe that everybody starts coming to this church That the well of God, the well that's in you. If you're born again, the life of God will just start to burn. You know, It's like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? We believe that for anybody who comes across the threshold of this building, that the life of God, if they're Christians, will start coming alive in them. That that well will start to flow. That that water will start to flow in their life. That they'll begin to come alive spiritually and in every other way. But it's all in order that you actually purposely start to discover that you can release that. That's right. That's and this is a great atmosphere for them to begin to be released. But the next step of your sonship is, can you do it in an atmosphere that doesn't generate it? Can you do it in a thirsty land? Can you do it without the impulse of four, 45 people laying hands on you and saying, shundai? you know, or without uh, oil being poured out on your head or without, you know, an hour of worship and other people, you know, soak in the room with the presence of God. That's what makes the church a portal, a door. When a hundred of us, when 200 of us start to be, every day, releasing, imagine, imagine in your life, picture yourself, you're walking through Spruce Grove and you're doing your work or you're doing your things with your kids, but you're always, your spirit is alive. That means your spirit is spewing out the knowledge of God. What if, what if the whole church, every Christian in Spruce Grove was going around and always, was never shut down, was always releasing the life of God? Wouldn't that create something of a life of God atmosphere in the city? That's God's goal. This would be a sort of metaphorical greenhouse of the kingdom of God. And all good things would flourish, and people started say, What is it with Spruce Grove? I mean, they're an anomaly in any way. There's, you know, there's less depression, there's less mental illness, there's less sickness, there's less crime, there's less da 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 da. That's God's intent, and it's in us to do that. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that when you when you caused us to be born again, you just didn't give us a ticket to heaven, Lord. You called us to be a voice. You called us to be a light. You calls us called us to be a place for the manifestation of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And we believe, God, that this is not just to make our lives better, but in order to fill the earth so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So, Lord, this week, begin to make us aware of what stimulates that life flowing through us. so we want more moments where the life of God is flowing through us, and less when we're shut down, less when we're depressed, less when we're under the darkness, and more when we're over the darkness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: I've had this scripture on my phone, the front, front page. This is from Revelations 22 that he was talking about earlier. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life flowing with crystal clear water, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is what John said, but it's on the front of my phone because it's like if the angel could show John this river, he could show me this river. And he could show you this river. God, I just ask that the angel of the Lord would be able to impart to us and to show us that river of God that flows continually from the throne of God. And that river has been implanted in us and can flow out. So I ask that the angel of the Lord would be able to show us and help us to partake, help us to lay hold of the river of God that is within us from you.